Welcome to episode 14 of No Crying in Baseball. My name's Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. And that's me, and I've been just investigating some off-season activities. And you Like know, what? You've been reading some books? A little. A really? Little, but there's also sports. And, oh, I love sports. We need off-season sports. Tell me about sports. And football can be considered an off-season sport to baseball, I oh. think. So I've been following my Patriots, and I'm not you know, too keen on following throughout the year, but playoffs are playoffs. And it turns out that the Patriots may not have been the team that they are today if it weren't for one little decision by Tom Brady. To be arguably the greatest quarterback of all time? He could have been the greatest catcher of all time. Says who? Yeah, well, some people are saying it. We'll never know because he was actually drafted out of high school to the Expos. What a wonderful team. The Expos, which became the Washington Nationals? He might have been in our backyard. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he probably would be still playing because look at how he's doing with football. If he can handle those blows and keep going at 40, he might have been setting some World Series records, but we'll never know. So what position? He he was catcher. Catcher. You would have had a catcher. Yeah. You would have had a catcher boyfriend for darn sure. There's so many good things about that. But I guess I'll trade all the World Series rings for that attempt at a at a – baseball destination so yeah he turned it down to go to michigan got a good education became the love of michigan football and now of new england so football for you in the uh, in the in the long cold nights you know what i've been doing i've been watching cable news so you know what word i've been hearing a lot collusion but then i learned that collusion is not just for russia anymore we've been talking about how the hot stove is not so hot there may be a collusion, collusion in baseball. For, collusion in baseball. And actually, that's not a new thing. In the 80s, there was collusion in baseball that resulted in hefty fines for owners that they had to pay to players. And there is a rumor that there might be something going on right now. We've been talking about how all this, all these free agents that are pretty damn good players that haven't been picked up yet or their, their asking prices have been negotiated down, it may be because the owners are talking to each other. And I discovered a really cool article about this that we are going to post to share with the class because it is very long and very involved, but it's a pretty good sort of intellectual study of collusion in baseball and how the Players Association is sort of feeding into the owners. Really? Yeah, because they're, they're supporting their veteran players, and they're, they're sort of eliminating this whole middle class of, of really good but not superstar baseball players getting what they deserve in arbitration and all those things. So... I'm not going to say more about that right now, but it's just kind of food for thought. So we will post a link to this article so you can learn more about this. Well, it makes sense for what's happening with the whole J.D. Martinez thing and signing with the Red Sox. And is is he going to sign or not? And the Red Sox have this low ball offer out there, right? Like half of what Boris was asking for exactly. him, Exactly. Right? Well, so that as you were talking, I was thinking this would put steam coming out of Boris's ears because his big thing is getting his big players big money. And Scott, Scott Boris is, a, is an agent for a lot of the superstars who get big, giant contracts. Uh, yep, definitely. And so Martinez wants $200 million for seven years. The Red Sox are offering 100 for five, so less time locked up, less money. But nobody else is offering him money. So he's kind of stuck. And it'll be really interesting um, to see if the collusion works, essentially, right? Right, yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's and, gross. And in the meantime, we've got folks sort of floundering in the middle in, in, in arbitration land. Right, because last time we recorded the day before the deadline for peaceful arbitration, where you come to an agreement of your dream money. And I had said on the last podcast that everything was fine with the Red Sox. They had all that worked out. 
not so much. Turns out like my Pookie, Mookie Betts, is the one who has the biggest gap between what he's saying he's worth and what the owners are saying he's worth. And we've, we've also got some other like familiar names, Oda Rizzi, Real Muto, who we were talking about was going to be having some issues with the Marlins. Your Scope, I said it right the first time. You did. Scope and your Springer. So two of your boyfriends are still hanging out there. It's a week later. And, and the sad thing about it is the bad blood that happens because basically a guy has to go there and listen to his team talk about why they don't want to pay him what he thinks Not, not he's his teammates, worth. but the ownership, yeah. right? Yeah. The people writing the checks have to say, here's why we don't think you're worth what you think you're worth. And then there's going to be this arbitrator who's going to make the decision and do both sides get pissed off? Is one side feeling bad? How does this shake down? So, of course, you know, I'm concerned for my pookie here. There has been some excitement, however. It's low-key excitement, but as a Nationals fan, I am celebrating that Howie Kendrick got re-signed for two years because that means we can sing This Is How We Do It over and over again all summer long at Nats Park. That's beautiful. I like that. Yeah, and then a couple other things happened. The sad one is, is Andrew McCutcheon went to the Giants, but he left the way you're supposed to leave. We talked before about... Sometimes there's bad blood when a player gets traded and they sort of diss their home city. This is the guy who named his child Steel after Pittsburgh. So he had a lovely, lovely goodbye letter to Pittsburgh about how wonderful it's been and how great the fans are and how much he'll miss them. And yet also how he's looking forward to to playing on the Giants. So he really sort of walked the line there because he, he really turned yes. that franchise around. And then they had to let him go. But I think it's going to be OK. And he really he showed how to do this the right way. I think we had we had one more trade. Uh, Granderson went to the Blue Jays. And that's a big name because formerly the Mets, formerly of the Yankees, 37 years old. So he's getting up there. But the Blue Jays, I mean, Josh Donaldson, I would think, would like to have some company in the hitting and a couple in, of in big his age hitters. Group. Yeah, in his age group and in, and at the bat. So that could do well for the Blue Jays, which makes me a little worried about the AL East, but we'll see where that goes. And that's really all there is right now in trades. There have been some minor things, but we're hoping maybe next week we'll have more exciting things to tell you about. Andrew McCutcheon was sort of the big one this week. We have two things that are more about the the structure of the game, the infrastructure of the game, in fact. So this week, the Jays agreed to extend their protective netting. And that was a big deal. You know, there, there's netting that goes from, you know, behind the batter's box, you know, maybe 20 or 30 feet over, and then it stops. So people are getting foul balls. They're getting bats that slip out of people's hands. They go flying at them. And people understand that risk. And there's a lot of folks saying, oh, I don't want that net in front of me because I'm paying for these seats and I want to have a clear view. But if you remember, there was that Yankees game this past year. Um, Frazier hit a foul ball, and it hit a child who had to be taken away on a stretcher. And that, I think, was the flashpoint for we need to act on this more. In 2016, Major League Baseball made recommendations about you need to extend this farther, this netting farther to protect your fans. And some people did it, and some teams didn't do it. This year, almost everyone is doing it. The Jays were kind of a holdout. And now it's just the White Sox, the Angels, the A's, and the O's. The O's, The O's that that haven't done it yet. And I will say the, the Reds just did it. And when we were at Great American Ballpark this summer, we had good seats. Thank you for our benefactor. And we were a little worried that we were going to have balls come flying at us at an angle that even my athlete daughter wasn't going to be able to stop for cracking me in the head. But that's changed. They've agreed to do it, too. So 
hopefully the other teams will come around and it will be safer for everybody. And, and there, there's netting available that doesn't block your view. You don't notice that it's there. I mean, the, the best seats in the house are right behind the batter's box. People pay premiums for those seats and there is netting there and no one yeah. is complaining about that. I think it's the broken bats that's the scariest part yeah. because that just happens a lot more nowadays and that's the last thing you want flying at you. So hopefully teams will care enough about the fan safety to override the few fans who say, I, I don't want that in front of me. So they don't get to pick, right? We're okay with safety belts. We're okay with netting. The other structural thing that's happening this week is, as Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, has a proposal, Major League Baseball's proposal, about the pace of play. Because there is this belief that if the game was just a few minutes faster, they'd have a lot more fans. And I don't think they're going about it the way that's really going to attract more people to the game. It may frustrate some people who are at the game a little bit less. But um, he's meeting next week, it got pushed off again, with player representatives, with the, with the players' union representatives, to talk about here is what MLB is suggesting that we do. That's, I don't. I don't that like sounds him. like a positive thing, though. He's meeting with the players' representatives, right? I'm getting the impression that he's just going to tell them how it is, uh, and I don't think it. they're going to like it. So we will see what comes out of it. But we talked about the 20 second pitch clock, and we said, oh, it probably won't have an effect if, if people are on base. It will. It's 20 second pitch clock, even with people on base. If the pitcher steps off the rubber, then they reset the clock. So I still, I that seems to be a way around it. I don't know. But also, they're trying to to catch um, to 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 put a stop to all the visits to the mound because there are a lot. There that are can a be lot. so much fun, and I just that brings me to Bull Durham. Like I, I just love that <laughs> to, to, scene. to planning the baby shower, yeah. the wedding shower. I know, but there are a lot of visits to the mound, and the the proposed rule is one trip to the mound or which could be from the catcher or it could be from the manager from anyone from anyone. Or even like, you know, an infielder comes in to talk to the pitcher, or if the pitcher steps off to talk to another player, any of those things counts as a visit, and you get one per inning. And if you do two per inning, you are the pitcher is thrown out per of the game. Inning. Wow. I think that's a little draconian. And then there's a 30-second timer installed between batters. I don't think that's a problem so much, but I just don't think these are going to – I don't think the trade-off is worth it. I know I get frustrated when the catcher comes out over and over and over again – but this might be just a little severe. And it sounds like it almost might take more time to enforce it just because people aren't going to be used to that kind of rhythm. They're going to be making errors. And so how much time does it take to then take the pitcher out of the game and warm somebody else up? And Just calling the penalty is going to take more time than actually the visit to the mound would have taken. Totally. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll talk more about that when we get the result. Let's see how the Players Union reacts to this coming down from the commissioner's office. In the meantime... I think we should go to boyfriends. I always like going to boyfriends. Tell us, tell me about your boyfriends. You know, We're on Rays. I've been, um, I've been quetching a little bit about not having a catcher, and then I looked at my list and I realized I'm out of both a shortstop and a catcher. So I have luckily, perfectly been been able to alleviate that today. You're going to the Rays, but I'm going to the Giants. Wait a minute! How do you get to go to the Giants again? We've been to the Giants. I had span. And Span got traded to the Rays, and so I kept Span because I adore him. Uh, that's not quite adorable, but I adore him from Cheers. Nationals days. And so that means I get to pick a new giant. So I looked at the Giants, and I found a shortstop because I immediately went, well, I would have gone to catcher, but you already got him. So I went to shortstop, 
and he looks great. So I'm going to stick with him. His name is Brandon Crawford, and he's a future uh, perfect person for our grooming segment because he has flowing long hair and a beard. And his mom actually said to him that it's the only thing that makes me go, Brandon, what are you doing? (laughs) So his mom doesn't approve of his hair, but it's working. So I think he's going to keep it. He's an amazing shortstop. Sexy, sexy defense. Gold glove three years in a row, 15, 16, 17. And you'll appreciate this, that he's the first Giants repeat winner at any position since Omar Vizquel. I love Omar. In 2005. So not only that, but he's the third National League player to get seven hits in a game, sixth of all MLB. His stats are awesome. World Series, two of those even years with the Giants, 12 and 14, all-star in 15. And 2015 was such a good year for him that he got both the Golden Glove and the Silver Slugger. And he's the first giant to do that since Barry Bonds. So I'm starting to really love math with baseball because no matter who you pick for your boyfriend, they have some really fun numbers to go through. Like he's the only shortstop in history to get a postseason Grand Slam. Stats for everything. Go figure. Um, World Baseball Classic, there's a little thread that I've been having. And actually, you too, Mm -hmm. with our boyfriends, we've got Posey, Kinsler, and Jones all on the World Baseball Classic. And now, Brandon Crawford. So we've got, like, between our boyfriends, that's four so far, half the starting lineup of the World Baseball Classic. Not too bad. But then... Crawford, unfortunately, had a really shitty 2017. What happened? His his average dropped like 50 points. And looking into it, it's a, there's a, probably a sad reason for it. In, in April, right at the beginning of the season, his 38-year-old sister-in-law died suddenly of asthma attack. Yikes. Had a couple of kids, very close to his wife, the sister. And for him to be traveling so much and leaving his wife, I think, just stressed him out because his wife was so upset. So that makes a lot of um, a lot of sense for why 2017 was so bad. And and this sort of leads into another perhaps trend that I have with my boyfriends. It, it turns out that he must have been distracted while he was oh, in, no. uh, in yeah, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. no. during during batting pra- practice at at the Phillies. That he unintentionally hit a beat writer in the groin with a with a toss. No, yeah. I don't like this thread at all. Yes. Yeah, so to apologize, he sent him a signed jockstrap. And it says, to Jim, my bad. <laughs> right on the crotch. You know, I think flowers, <laughs> chocolates, there's game tickets. I don't know. I, there's a lot of other things I would have gone so with. So many things you could do. There, but there was no report as if it was the size of a grapefruit like Adrian Beltre or anything like that. Please but stop. Please stop. <laughs> maybe I'll go to the next part. Um, more family stuff with this guy. Fun family stuff. His sister married Garrett Cole who was a pitcher for the Pirates, but like we skipped him in the beginning with trades of the week. While I was researching, he suddenly switched to the Astros. So Astros are very happy. Great pitcher transfer. And there's a no trade clause in his contract. So I have a stable boyfriend who's going to be with the Giants for a while. So, Well, I'm happy that you are keeping Span when he moved to the Rays. And I'll tell you why in just one second. But first, I want to Interrupt this program for a brief women in baseball update, which is Rays related. They promoted the Rays promoted Melanie Lenz to chief development officer 
which is a pretty high-ranking position in the organization. And she's going to be running point on their new stadium project. So very cool. Yay, Yay women in baseball. So excited about the whole Denard Span thing. And you keeping Denard Span as your boyfriend because I know we would have had to arm wrestle for the Rays boyfriend because I got catcher Wilson Ramos, Buffalo. the Buffalo. Oh, that it, it is heartbreaking just a bit, but I'm glad that he's still around and I just had to stay faithful this band. But man, Buffalo. Well, it, you can you can still enjoy the success of the Buffalo, which is going to be big this year. Yay. We came to love the Buffalo because he was with the Nationals from 2010 until 2016. He made the All-Star team in 2016. He had a just a career season in 2016 and then he tore his ACL right before the playoffs right before the playoffs and so there was heartbreak all over your nation's capital because of that but he's so then he said he since then went to the Rays and he probably started last season earlier than he needed to or should have because he didn't start very well but then he picked up the pace right around um right around June and actually did very well. So everyone is looking forward to him getting back to to his regular form for 2018. So the Buffalo is going to be back. You may remember that we mentioned him when we talked about um, players in Venezuela and their family members and kidnappings. We talked about his particular kidnapping in 2011, back in Episode 7. So you can always look, look back at that if you want to know more about that. But growing up in Venezuela, he idolized Ivan Rodriguez, who we know as Pudge, who was inducted into the Hall of Fame this past summer. Pudge was the catcher on the Nationals when Wilson Ramos came up. So Ramos backed him up for two years and then took his job when Pudge retired. And that is a very nice way for the veterans and the younger catchers to relate. And you might have a little more to say about that with your Cardinals boyfriend. Yeah, so I finally got a catcher, and I'm really excited. And he actually has a legacy kind of thing, too. So we're talking the Yadier Molina, classic catcher, 35 years old, Puerto Rican, on the Cardinals. When he came up to the Cardinals, the current manager, Matheny, was the catcher. And he took one look at him and said, I don't have this job for a long time. Wow. Like he knew what was coming and now he's back managing him. I think that has added there's been some tension between them and I think maybe that's the root of him. But but Molina is such the face of the franchise. He has only been with the Cardinals. He has been with one team the second longest for an MLB active player. Did I say that in the right order? That means that of everybody who's playing right now, there's only one guy who's been with his team longer, and it's only by a couple of months, and it's Mara with the Twins. So they've both been there since 2004. Um, But Molina's done amazing stats since he's been with the Cards. He's got a career average of 284 with five years over 300 for batting. That's um, amazing. He's been an all-star eight times. And actually, in the all-star game of 2017, he was the only run for the National League. He <laughs> hit a home run to tie up the game. They lost in the end, but he put in his effort. He's had the gold glove eight times. And have you heard of something called the platinum glove? No, I think you made that up. I did not make it up. And I can't believe I haven't heard of it either. It's been around since 2011. And since only being around since 2011, Molina's won it 
four times. And the way you get it is the the fan vote. They haven't even asked our fucking opinion, which is ridiculous. It's a fan vote of all the glove winners, and you get one for each league. He's gotten it four times since 2011. Pretty impressive. Um, You know, interesting. My other boyfriend is the only re- – well, one of my other boyfriends is also a repeat platinum uh, person, which is Beltre, who's twice for the American League. So sexy defense – his his catch stealing caught stealing rate is off the books. He's had a couple of crazy years, but his overall percentage is forty one percent caught stealing. The league average is twenty eight. Good God! So Molina is so awesome because he has two older brothers, substantially older, seven and eight years, who are also catchers. So all three of them, Benji, Jose, and Yadier, have been catchers for the major league. And they're the only three brothers in history who all have World Series rings. Nice jewelry in the family. is really cool. So uh, Benji ha- has one from when he was on the Angels in 02. Jose has two. And the interesting thing is he was also on the Angels in 02. So Benji and Jose won that one together. Huh. Jose was the backup catcher to his brother. And then later he got one on his own as lead catcher in 2009 with the Yankees. They both stayed involved coaching afterwards and they have a really tight baseball family. The father is in the Puerto Rican Hall of Fame for baseball. He never left the island. He wasn't in the MLB, but he was a star Puerto Rican player. And interestingly, after all his kids, who he obviously had playing baseball from a very young age, and after they were all gone in the MLB, he kept coaching kids in Puerto Rico. And the sad ending to the story is that at 58 years old, he had a heart attack cleaning up after a baseball game in a baseball park. So he died in a baseball park. And his sons, I don't remember which one, sort of just said, you know, that's just a fitting way for him to go. Um, But they've kept what they kept it up to keep him proud. Um, Yadier is the only one who's still playing. And he was the heart. Here's World Baseball Classic again, our thread. He was the heart of the Puerto Rican team, so the team that ended up losing in the final game mm-hmm. against the United States. But he's the one who got all that team spirit together. They were those rubios. They all dyed their hair blonde to have this brotherhood. And they were. it was a really fun team to watch. His connection to his heritage, to Puerto Rico, is, is very strong. And he has a foundation, Foundation 4, which benefits pediatric cancer patients in Puerto Rico. Um, He also organized a charity home run derby slash softball game in Puerto Rico with all the world's baseball classic stars and raised $200,000 for the hurricane victims. So Molina's just a nice guy and a little bit of a fun guy. I'm definitely going to post on our Facebook page the video of the time where the baseball got caught in his chest protector and he couldn't quite find he it. He had no idea where it was. Yeah. <laughs> I remember and that. They lost the game possibly because of that because the guy got on base and the run scored. But it's a great little video. Another link that I think I'll post is a recent kerfuffle, we can say, that he had with Wilson Contreras, who started it, of the Cubs, who boasted a little bit about how he was going to be better than the classics of Molina and Posey. Molina took a little exception back and forth on social media. There you go. It's it's the young catchers idolizing their their heroes and it, it coming to interesting ends. So my Cardinals boyfriend is Tommy Pham. Left fielder, 29. His family story is very, very different. 
he grew up in Las Vegas. Wow. Never knew his father. His father has been in prison his whole life. He's visited his father all of twice. His grandmother took him to see his father twice. He has no relationship with his father. His father got out once and then and then was caught for drug dealing right away and went right back in. Wow. So he has grown up without a dad. And he's had a mom who's had to have multiple jobs to take care of the family. So growing up, she never got to go to his games because she was always working. So yeah. I feel a little bit of a relationship here because my kid has a lot of emergency backup dads. And that's kind of how he grew up with emergency backup dads for the rides home, for the for the dad talks, for the, the extra support that you're going to get when you have a, a single parent family. He has a believe in yourself tattoo on his bicep because he felt like he pulled himself up. He didn't have, you know, that that baseball support, that sports support. He had, you know, the strong mother figure, but not all the other stuff that comes with it. So he really had to be the self-starter to 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 get where he is today. And he really got there. He um, got a full ride scholarship to Cal State Fullerton, not just for baseball, but also for academics. Wow. Had to turn it down because, well, he, his family had, money was always tight and the Cardinals had offered him a signing bonus that was going to mean he wouldn't have to have two or three jobs over the summer. It might make things easier for his mom and for the rest of his family. So he went right to the Cardinals without going to school. He bounced around back and forth between um, AAA and with you know and and the and the majors with the cards in the show for years for 4 years and he almost gave up hope because they weren't he wasn't staying put he kept getting bounced back down and bounced back up and then finally this past season in May there was an injury so they called him up and he caught fire he was amazing in May alone he led his team with a 320 batting average Five, wow. five home awesome. runs and 14 RBIs just in the month of May. And he kept it going. He finished the season with 23 home runs and 25 stolen bases. And he is the on, only the sixth Cardinal in history to go 2020. That's called the 2020 season when you have more than 20 home runs and more than 20 stolen bases. And his goal now is a 30-30 season in 2018. He wants 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases. So when people say, how are you doing? He says, good, trying to be great. So I love the work ethic. I love that he's he knows he's got his chance now and he really wants to capitalize on this. Because of the way he grew up and because he's a hometown guy in Las Vegas, he does free baseball clinics for kids in Las Vegas. And um, my favorite thing that he did recently um, at the uh, at the Little League World Series, it was a hot, hot day. He and Carlos Martinez bought 200 snow cones for the kids who are in the stands That's waiting the for their turn to play. So he's a good guy. He's a hard worker. He appreciates kids, wants to help them. So Tommy Pham is my boyfriend for the Cardinals. That sounds like a great choice. So just a teeny bit for our grooming segment this week. I don't know if you all caught this out there, but Andrew Benintendi, previously of the Flow Brothers, him and Brock Holt called themselves the Flow Brothers because of the way their hair flows. He got a haircut. It's not 
a Yankees haircut. It's not like that offensive level. It's very stylish. It is very short, but he's not flowing anymore. So we should post some before and after pictures of this one. It's it's a nice cut, but I, I will truly miss the flow because he had it going on. Yeah, he said he had to go to a bunch of weddings or something like that. So I don't know. There was some excuse. But maybe like he'll catch on to the DeGrom theory and he'll be running a lot faster without all that hair hanging <laughs> on. We've had to find ways to pass the time in the off season. We've had a little bit of playoff football. We've had a little bit of hockey. Some books have been read. Some movies have been watched. And I want to tell you about another kerfluffle that has happened recently that made me laugh because MLB put out a Twitter poll. If you could only watch one baseball movie, what would it be? Only one. Only one. That's well, I have crazy. an answer to that. What, okay. My answer is Bull Durham. Yeah, What's that's, your answer? That's totally my right? answer. That's, that's, that's totally. a given. Bull Durham did not show up on the four choices on the poll. All right. What are the folks at MLB smoking? I I don't know, but that's what the people of North Carolina want to know because it hit the fan when Bull Durham did not show up. So pretty much all of of North Carolina has responded mostly with quotes from the movie Bull Durham about how they feel about this poll. Just in case you wanted to know, Major League had 26% of the vote, The Natural had 7%. The Sandlot had 46%, which makes me think That's parents bizarre. of eight-year-olds yeah. were the ones responding to this, or maybe the eight-year-olds. It's a fine movie, but it's no Bull Durham. And 21% Field of Dreams. And I'm just saying, I know Bull Durham is the right answer because Cal Ripken, the Iron Man, said that Bull Durham is the greatest baseball movie of all time. And I'm going to listen to Cal. I really am. And I would say Moneyball number two also didn't make the list. Getting ready for next week. We're going to be shopping for some boyfriends. We're going to be auditioning boyfriends for the Royals and the Brewers. And I have no clue until I do some research who I'm going to pick for those teams. But also, what else is happening? We're getting close to the end of January, which means we're getting close to the beginning of February. So before we even do the spring training countdown, we have new dates to look forward to. Most pitchers and catchers are reporting on Valentine's Day. I love how pitchers and catchers. perfect is that? <laughs> I can see all these, how we love pitchers and catchers memes coming out on the 14th. A couple days later, most of the full squads come out. And even earlier, just so that we can have something really close to look forward to, are the truck days. And I don't know if it's just me, but the only one I could find online was the Red Sox, which is happening February 5th. I'm sure lots of other teams have trucks. They'll be packing their trucks around then. But February 5th, round the corner. Spring training countdown, the official, 25 days (sighs) Six hours, 17 minutes, and 22 less than that seconds by the time you hear this. I am so happy to hear that right this very second. Oh, that's a wonderful thing. In the meantime, please find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you find your podcasts. Write us a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And make a comment on our Facebook page. We'd love to chat with you. See you next time. 